12. John 8, 12. And the word of God reads, Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, Again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So glad we can be together today, and we want to wish all of our fathers a very happy Father's Day, and hope that you have a good day, a good afternoon uh, with your family, uh, celebrating and just um, having a good, relaxing, good, relaxing day. Sometimes we uh, we just need to be able to relax and enjoy time with family. I think maybe we realize that now, maybe more than ever. You know, when, the, um, when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, He used light in order to do it. And in fact, in the book of Exodus chapter 13 and verse number 21, the Bible tells us that as they went on their travels, that the Lord led them with a pillar of fire by night. And over and over again, we see these illustrations of light uh, with attached to God particularly as he was leading and guiding and uh, uh, teaching the children of Israel on their way out of Egypt. And the Jews would commemorate that occasion with a feast called the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacles. They would commemorate the occasion of the Lord leading them out of Egypt, providing for them, all of the miraculous signs and power that he displayed on that occasion. And every year, whenever they would observe this feast, part of the part of the observance would be a number of candles that would be lit all around the temple complex. The light would be great, and it is perhaps upon that occasion that Jesus makes the statement in John chapter 8 and verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 8 and verse number 12, in the context around the passage, it follows very nicely with what begins in John chapter 7 when Jesus makes his way from Galilee into Jerusalem. And the Feast of Tabernacles is ongoing, and it is in the midst of this feast that Jesus has a number of exchanges with the Jews, both those who are uh, choosing to listen to him and those who are his enemies. The Bible tells us that this world is a world that is full of darkness. We talked about that some in our Bible class this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 12, on down through about verse number 18 or 19. The Apostle Paul has a discussion about darkness and how the darkness was all over the world and how the responsibility of God's people was to have no fellowship with darkness and also to expose it. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 5, verse number 19, that the whole world lies in wickedness. That's the King James translation. The New King James translation says that the whole world lies under the sway or under the power of the wicked one. We take a step back and we think about what the Bible says from beginning to end about this world in which we live where sin abounds. We take a step back and we think about what we observe, what we see and hear on a daily basis. And there just is no question to the fact that 
this world is a world that is overwhelmed with sin and with wickedness and with lying and deceit and with darkness. But it is into this world of darkness that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible tells us also in John chapter 1, verses 1 and following, that the Word was, uh, that the Word is life, and that that life is the light of men. And that Jesus came into this world, the second person of the Godhead came, the light came, in order to give hope, in order to give peace and joy and direction and redemption. He came to give light. And that's what his statement is all about in John chapter 8, verse number 12. And so this morning, what I want us to do is to examine the context beginning in verse number 12 and extending down through verse number 20. I want us to think about the implications of Jesus' statement. I want us to think about the reaction that his enemies had to that statement. And I want us to think about the application that we all should take from it. Let's begin by reading again John 8, verse 12, all the way through verse 20, and then we'll see how it breaks down. Jesus said in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness, witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself and the Father who sent me. He bears witness of me. Then they said to him, Where is your Father? And Jesus answered, you know, neither my, you know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. I want us to know three sections in this context of passages this morning. First of all, there's Jesus' claim in John chapter 8 and verse number 12. Second, there's the Jews' objection. In John chapter 8, verse 13 to 18. And then finally, there is Jesus' indictment in John chapter 8, verse 19 and 20. Jesus' claim is simple and straightforward enough in John 8 and verse number 12. It is the, uh, it is the uh, second of the I am statements that are found in the book of John where Jesus proclaims himself to be the light of the world. What exactly does this claim imply? What is involved in Jesus saying, I am the light of the world? Let me suggest to you several things. First of all, this claim of Jesus in John 8 and verse number 12 identifies him as the fulfillment of Old Testament messianic prophecy. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, I want you to notice with me several passages in this book of prophecy in which the prophet will look to the coming of the Lord and to his work while he would be here, and he will identify or describe that work with light. For example, in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 2, Isaiah said, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And you might make a notation that in Matthew chapter 4, verse number 16, Matthew will quote this very passage and he will make 
inspired application to our Lord and to his work while here in this world. Later in Isaiah chapter 42 and verse number 6 and in verse number 7, Isaiah will continue his image of light and the work of our Savior. I, the Lord, Isaiah 42, 6 says, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant uh, to the people, uh, as a light to the Gentiles. To open the blind eyes and to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. And then later in Isaiah chapter 49 and verse number 6, Isaiah again will talk now about his work or his impact as a light, not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. Isaiah chapter 49, 6 says, Indeed, uh, he says, it is, too, it is a too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. And at the finality of the Old Testament, the book of Micah, or excuse me, Malachi, the last prophet, he will end his book uh, in uh, the Old Testament uh, section of prophecy by saying this about our Lord. In Malachi chapter 4, verse number 2, he will describe the Lord as the Son of righteousness who will rise with healing in his wings, who will go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You see, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he is making a claim as to his identity. He is making a claim as to his deity. He is making a claim as being the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Word in the flesh, or come in the flesh. And when he says, I am the light of the world, he is making that connection. But it is also a claim not only about his identity, and about him being the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, it's a claim about his nature. You know that the Bible uses the images of light and darkness as a contrast between that which is holy and that which is unholy. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 5, you remember that the Bible describes God as being light, and in him is no darkness at all. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, or six, excuse me, 6, verse 15 and 16, the Bible talks about our Lord who dwells in light that is unapproachable. And we see this image over and over again. There's the contrast between light and darkness in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 to 10. There is our Lord picture is light in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 23. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's speaking about the holiness and the righteousness and the justness of his nature. He has identified himself as deity and the fulfillment of prophecy. And he's talking about the fact that he is in totality that which is good and that which is true and that which is wholesome and holy and pure and undefiled and without sin. That's who Jesus was and is. It's a claim of his nature. Number three, though, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, it is a statement that implies correction. One thing or one particular characteristic about light is that light will provide direction. Light shows the way. And if, you've ever, if you're ever in a dark place, in a dark room, or maybe you've uh, taken a tour down into one of the dark caves that exists in our country, and you've experienced the lights being turned out, 
You know what it is to be without light. The darkness, of course, being the absence of light. And the light is turned on, that it illuminates the way and we can see where we're going. Jesus will say in John chapter 12, verse 35 and 36, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness, Jesus says, does not know where he is going. Notice that the picture in John 12, verse 35 and 36 is a picture of direction. Jesus says the one who is in darkness can't see where he is going, but the one who is in the light, the one who recognizes the light, that person knows where he is going, and more to the point, he knows where to go. I want you to go back to John chapter 8, and I want you to see something that shows up over and again in this chapter, not just in this immediate section. Look at John chapter 8 and look at verse number 31. Jesus will say to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Look at John chapter 8 and verse number 37. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Look at John chapter 8 and verse number 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. Look at John chapter 8 and verse number 51. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. You see a common trend in all of those passages. In every one of those passages, Jesus has something to say about his word. And here's an interesting thing to note. The Bible will not only use light to describe the nature of God and the nature of Jesus Christ. The Bible will not only use light to describe you know, illuminating or showing the way or the path in which we should travel. But the Bible will also use light to bring those two images together in the Word of God. Jesus says the reason why you don't abide in me or the reason why you don't know me or the reason why you won't understand me or believe me is because you won't hear what I'm saying. You remember our study from last week? In John chapter 6 and verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever believes in me will never hunger, will never thirst. I am the bread of life, and so therefore, whoever partakes of me will have life eternal. And remember that the emphasis of that is that the partaking of the bread of life has to do with hearing and receiving and accepting and obeying his will. The Bible describes the Word of God as light. Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And Jesus also will describe His Word as light and His Word as life. And so when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, He is implying direction because light shows the way. But the application of it is this. The only way that I'll be able to see the direction and follow the direction well, is if I am willing to listen to what the Savior says and to accept and to obey the word that he has spoken. In fact, Jesus will go on in John 12 and verse 48 to say that the word that he has spoken is that which will judge us in the last day. The word of God, the word of God, the word of Christ, that's what's necessary in order to follow the light. That's what's necessary in order to walk in the light. That's what's necessary in order to partake of the bread of life. 
Friends, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that which helps us to see the hope and the direction that the light of Jesus Christ gives in the dark world. I want you to stop for just a moment, and I want you to think about the great challenges of our time, the great questions that people are asking, matters of right and wrong, matters of government and law and the relationship that Christians are to have with government. Matters to deal with man's inhumanity to man and violence and sexual immorality and attacks on the family and injustice and so many other things. And then recognize that, number one, those challenges and those questions first are not unique only to our time. Those same challenges have been experienced over and over again throughout human history. And all of those, all of those challenges, each and every one of those questions are addressed by the Word of God. And the answer to all of those questions are found if we will simply stop and look at the light of the world, at the light that He sheds on those questions, if you will. And He does that through the Word that we hold in our hands. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, what He's trying to get us to understand is that if we'll simply open up His Word and read it and digest it and follow it, then it will provide for us the proper and the right direction. And it will provide for us hope and peace and joy. And it will provide for us the answers to all of the ungodliness that exists in the dark world in which we live. But Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, not only implies direction, it also implies salvation. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, you remember. And when he said that, what he meant the application of that was, whoever eats of my flesh, that person will have eternal life. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he says the same thing. I am the light of the world. And so whoever uh, walks in the light, if you will, whoever follows me, they'll never be in darkness. Turn your Bibles back to the beginning of John. Look at what is said about Jesus in John chapter 1, beginning in verse number 4. There are actually four very important things that are said about Jesus being light in the first part of this book. The Bible says, in him was the light of life. Excuse me, in him was life, and the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. There is, number one, in these passages that begin in verse number four, there is the a statement of the of, of fact that Jesus is a self-existing. Yes, self-existing life. In him was life. The idea is that he has life in himself. But number two, he tells us that he gives life to man, which means he dispels the darkness. That life was the light of men. It implies life because life comes from the light. It implies direction and it implies knowledge and it implies the ability, the ability for us to be able to see through the darkness that exists in the world. He then goes on to say in number three that the darkness cannot overcome this light. In verse number five, he says that the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. But really, the idea is that darkness cannot overcome it. And then in verse number nine, he tells us that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world, which tells me that this light has been given to all men, whether or not they will accept it. In John chapter 12, in verse number 46, Jesus makes this statement about himself. I have come as a light into the world, and whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. All of these images are images that imply salvation. 
All of these images are images that tell me that if I'll follow the direction of light that is found within the words of our Savior in the pages of Scripture which we hold in our hands, if I will obey them, then salvation, that is the result of it. But finally, the implication of Jesus' statement, I am the light of the world, it is a statement that implies exclusivity. Jesus didn't say, I am a light. Jesus didn't say, I am one of the lights. Jesus says, I am the light. And there's emphasis there. I and no other am the light of the world. And so if you'll follow me, then you'll have direction. If you'll follow me, then you'll have salvation. If you'll follow me, then you'll have hope. And then you'll have joy. And then you'll have peace. And then you'll be able to navigate this life successfully. I am the light of the world. That's Jesus' claim. And those are the implications. But now look at the objection of his enemies. In John chapter 8 and verse 13 to 18, the Jews have a problem. Now they're asking Jesus, they're talking to Jesus about witness and about identity. Notice they say, you bear witness of yourself, but your witness is not true. What they're trying to do now is they're trying to turn this into somewhat of a legal setting. They're using legal terminology. When they talk about a witness, they're talking about a witness who can sustain some sort of claim. And you'll notice that Jesus makes a statement at the end of the section around verse number 18. that uh, Verse 17, that it is written in your law that the testimony of two men uh, is true. And what Jesus is trying to get them to see is that he can make a claim about his own identity being the light of the world and being the one who gives direction and being the one who gives hope and gives life. The reason he can make that claim is because he can claim it and his father can claim it and those two witness to the truth of the claim. Go back to John chapter 5 and you can read more about that. But I want you to key in on verse, I want you to key in on verse number 15 because here's the problem. Jesus says, you judge according to the flesh, and I judge no one. Now, Jesus didn't mean that he judges no one, period. That's not the point. What he's saying is, you judge according to the flesh, meaning you see everything through fleshly eyes. The reason why you're not able to see the truth of my claim in verse number 12 is because you're too busy looking at things through flesh-colored glasses. I don't judge anyone in the same way that you do. That's the point that he's making. And that's the same point and the same problem that he dealt with in John chapter 6. In John 6, the reason why so many people left him after he said, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, is because remember that they're looking at everything through a fleshly perspective, and Jesus is trying to get them to exalt their mind and exalt their thinking to a spiritual perspective, to a higher plane. That's the same thing that's going on in John chapter 8. The reason why they won't listen to him is because their minds are stuck. They're rooted in their own way. John chapter 3, verses 19 to 21, Jesus will shed light on what this is all about. Jesus said, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men, men hate the light. And the reason they hate the light is because they love darkness. They love darkness more than light because the light exposes their deeds for the evil that they are. The reason why the Jews objected to the reality or to the identity of Jesus as the light of the world is because they were evil. And the reason why people, even still today, reject the identity of Jesus Christ being the light of the world and turn away from his direction and refuse to do things 
things in the way that he says they ought to be done, according to John 3, verse 19 and 21, is because they're evil. And the reason why evil people hate the light is because the light exposes them for who they really are. Read Ephesians 5, verse number 13. And so look at Jesus' indictment of them then in verse number 19 and 20. They said to him, where is your father? And Jesus said, you know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. Do you know what the point he's making is? The point that he's making is that they couldn't see their own need for the light that he was and the light that he came to bring. His claim is to be light. And the implications of that claim are great. The implications are that he is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, that he is deity, that his nature is pure and holy, that he came to give direction and hope and salvation, and that he's the only one that has the ability to do it. They refuse to see it because they're looking at him through their own biases and through their own wickedness, and because of their blindness, they refuse to see their own need for what he has to offer. Would you turn with me for just a moment to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and chapter 4? And I want you to notice something that the Apostle Paul says that elaborates on this same principle and makes application for all of us today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul describes his ministry. And if you'll look at the end of the, the, end of the chapter, he summarizes it by making this statement. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And the point of it is this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the very words that Jesus was talking about, the word of God that he was speaking about in John chapter 8, that very word that he said, if you'll hear it and if you will obey it and apply it, then you'll have life. Paul says that it is that word that transforms us into the image of Jesus Christ. But then in chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1, he begins to talk not only about his responsibility in proclaiming that message, but look at verse 3. He says, if our gospel is veiled, or if the idea is hidden, it is hidden to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this world have blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Do you realize what Paul is saying? Paul is saying that for all people who are just like the Jews in John 8, verse 13 to 18, and, uh, excuse me, 13 to 20, who refuse to see the light, who refuse to see their need for the light, the reason is because they have allowed the God of this world they have allowed the things of this world to blind them to what is really most important. Friends, if you ever stop, if you ever step back and you ever stop to think and wonder, why are things the way that they are? How did our world get in the shape that it's in, our country, our society, our culture? Why are people the way that they are sometimes? And why do people sometimes behave the way that they behave? The answer is found right here in these passages. Because they're fleshly. And because people sometimes allow the God of this world and the things of this world to blind them. And so they cannot, they will not see their own need for the light 
that Jesus is and the light that he offers and brings. Jesus is the light of the world, and the implications of that are staggering. The implications tell us that for all of those who are outside of Christ Jesus, outside of the light of God, that they must step into the light. But it also tells us that for those who have stepped into the light, that they must remain in the light. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, remember that John said that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. But in verse number 7 and following, he will say that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of his son Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And the point that he's making is this, that those who are Christians, that they must live their lives in the light. That our lives must, at the very best of our ability, be remade on a daily basis, conformed to the image of God's dear Son. That as we see Christ presented in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we ought to see that gospel transform us each and every day, so that when we look into the mirror of God's Word, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse number 18, we see Jesus. Philippians 2 and verse number 15, where the walk is light in this dark world. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 5, we are of the day and so we are to live as the day. But also, not only are we to remain in the light, we are to show others the light. Matthew 5 and verse 16, let your light so shine before men, you remember Jesus said, that uh, they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The point is not that we are the originators or the source of light, but rather that we are reflectors of it. Jesus is the light of the world, John 8 and verse number 12. But as we obey His will, as we abide in His Word, and His Word abides in us, then the light, uh, we rather reflect the light that Jesus is. And the Bible tells us that our responsibility is not to get caught up in the darkness and in the things, the stuff of the world, but rather our responsibility is to be light and to walk in the light and to reflect the light. Remember John chapter 12 and verse number 46? What did Jesus say about light and about direction? Jesus said, I have come as a light into the world, and whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And our responsibility is those who are of light, children of light, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 and following, is to show the world that it will simply obey the light of the world, that they that will be able to escape the darkness, that will be able to escape the things of the world, and that we can abide. We can live in the light. The only question that's left for us to ask this morning then is, have I come to the light? Am I walking in the light? Am I light? Do you know the Bible teaches us, the Bible teaches us that, that God has a plan and that if all people will obey that plan, then we can become children of light, reflectors of it. And that plan is to believe in Jesus Christ and to repent of sins and to confess faith and to be immersed in water, baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. And the Bible teaches us that if we'll do that, that God will add us to the church, the church that Jesus, the light of the world, purchased with his own blood, that we'll be God's children, that we'll be God's people. And the Bible teaches also that if we will continue to live and walk in the light as children of light, reflecting the light of our Lord into this dark world, 
that when this life is over, we'll be able to go on and be with our Father in heaven. And the Bible teaches us in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, that God in that place will forever be light. There's no need for the sun there because God is the light. There's never any darkness. There's never any sin. There's never anything that defiles. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thought to consider. What a wonderful place to think about heaven. Now, it may be this morning that you've not yet obeyed the gospel. You have an opportunity to do that. But it may also be that you have obeyed the gospel, but you're no longer walking in the light. You're no longer living in the light. Instead, you've allowed yourself to, you've allowed yourself to turn your head and your eyes away from the light of Jesus Christ, and you're now following the direction of the world, the pathway of darkness. Make a change. Come back to the light. Come back home. If you have need, if we can help you at all, then come as we stand and sing the invitation song together.